following podcast contains spoilers and words like fuck, fuck, and fuck. We watch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. I'm back. That's right, baby. I'm here with you. I know that I took last week off, but here I am in your ear holes again. And I'm sure you're super happy. Uh, as alluded to previously, some small changes to the show. One of those changes I'd like to introduce you to right now, brand new, newly minted co-host of the show, Mr. David Powell. How you doing, mate? I am good, my friend, and good to have you back. <laughs> How's it feel to be here? It feels wonderful. It's warm and fuzzy. <laughs> I'm excited for this. We've got we've got some cool plans in the work, cool things we're going to do, and lots of exciting uh, things. Still, be a few uh, guest hosts every now and then, but I, I think we make a good team. We are a dynamic <laughs> duo. Well, let's get straight into it then. This week, we're going to be talking about Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, uh, which is a 2022 American mystery film written and directed by Ryan Johnson and produced by he and Ram Bergman. It's the sequel, of course, to Knives Out from 2019, with Daniel Craig reprising his role. Uh, also starring, of course, Edward Norton, Janelle Monae, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Kate Hudson, and Dave Bautista. And what is it about, Dave? Much as with the first Knives Out, we've got a, uh, an Agatha Christie homage, essentially. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it's it's um, it, very strong. Uh, what was it? Uh, I think it's called And Then There Were None, um, if my Agatha Christie memory serves me correctly. A um, whole bunch of disparate people on an island where they can't get away. There's a murder. It needs to be solved. But being Ryan Johnson, there's about 10 other layers and twists in there to... <laughs> um, keep you off guard. So unlike an Agatha Christie film where you, these days everyone knows what's going to happen. Yeah. In this case, I defy anyone to know what's going to happen. <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong, from memory, you are a Johnson fan. In fact, you're on the side of the fence with me that liked The Last Jedi, yeah? It is the third best of the nine yes. Star Wars films. Yes. Empire and New Hope. <laughs> Yep, I um, feel the exact same way. <laughs> yeah, I, I have not disliked anything he has done. I've seen all every film he's done, um, yeah. and obviously he's also responsible for some of the very best of Breaking Bad. Is he really? I've never been a Breaking Bad watcher. I didn't know that he was involved with that. I'm pr he only directed a, two or three episodes, I think. And, uh, God, I haven't checked it, so I hope this is correct. <laughs> I believe he directed what is widely considered to be the best episode. Right. Of Bad, one of the best episodes of TV ever, Ozymandias. There you go. Um, please don't destroy me <laughs> online if I fuck that up, but I think that's the case. Um, that's right. You but, can at David Powell. Yes, <laughs> by all means. <laughs> Cancel me. <laughs> so I'm guessing that you, like much the rest of the world, were a fan of the first knives out then yeah very much so i'm a big whodunit lover um yeah. it, I, it, ever since it, like, i was a kid my mum was a big agatha christie and yeah, right. just in general mystery lover yeah that that old old school mystery with no yeah, violence yeah. but lots of uh, intrigue <laughs> yeah. agatha christie yeah um peter james all that sort of stuff did um, you happen to get to see how they run earlier in the year i've watched about 20 minutes of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to make a call on it because I think I was in the wrong mood, but- Oh, it's not a great film. I, I didn't do oh, it on good, the show, okay. but, yeah. but I, 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 did, I did do it over on because I, uh, and 20 I, I, I was tired and I was I felt like I was just going to fall asleep. So <laughs> um, I'm, ha I haven't gone back to it. So yeah, it, it didn't wow me. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get straight into Knives Out 2 Glass Onion then. Um, obviously, it's dropping on Netflix uh, Christmas Eve. Big, big Netflix acquisition with Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Um, but we were lucky enough to get to uh, some of the advanced screenings that are showing at the cinema this week. Um, I'm going to go straight out there and say it. Here it is. Here's my kind of one-up summary. I feel like waiting for Netflix for this one is fine. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be a bit of a disagreement here. I, I, well, I liked this movie, but I didn't love it. Depends on how good your TV is, I guess. I, I think it's a very nice looking film. So I certainly didn't resent the dropping the money at gold class to see it. In <laughs> but yeah, I mean, let's face it, for the sake of a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. I, had we not been recording, I probably would have 
yeah, saved my money and, and yeah. waited. I, I feel like this is maybe a me problem. Perhaps my expectations were too high because, much like you, I am a big fan of Ryan Johnson. I was a big fan of the first film. And I was really intrigued to see how this was going to work. Because for me, what made Knives Out work so well was that ensemble cast. And obviously here- the only returning player is Daniel Craig and it's a whole new mystery. And there is that question around how is that going to work? And I think for me, the answer is it works fine, but this is not a scratch on that first film for me. I'm, I'm going to shock you here. I oh. this is better. Oh, wow. Wow. All yeah. Right. I, I, no slight on the first one, but where I found the improvement, the first one is very much a Agatha Christie style whodunit. Yeah, There's yep, no, yep. he's not changing the formula. It's it's literally you could swap out Benoit Blanc and, and put in Poirot, and it yep, wouldn't yep. feel out of place. Yeah, with this one, I feel like he's subverted the genre a bit. He's right. taken a lot of the things you would expect, and he's flipped them. A lot of the stuff that you would expect to happen doesn't happen. Things happen in a different way. Yeah, I found it a, a lot less predictable. Wow. The first knives out. Yes, there were two or three times through, during the movie where I was going, "Oh, it's this, it's this, it's this." Yeah. But yeah. but certainly, what happens in that film was one of the things I thought might be the case. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This time around, there was it, nothing was what I thought it would be. Wow. And there's a couple of points, and I guess I won't sort of talk spoilers yet. We might sort of draw a line in the sand at some point where people <laughs> yeah. can tune out because it is so such a new film. But there is a point in the film where I was sort of going, oh, okay, well, this is just like the first one. It's, oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's a good I'm enjoying all of these people. And then there's a it's, – it's like he's drawn a line in the sand and going, and now I'm going to really fuck with you and, and just yeah. everything you thought was the case, I'm going to change. Yeah. And okay. that I, I really liked. See, maybe maybe that was my issue with it. What I loved about the first one was those really slight subversions and just the, the fun that was had with the characterizations. You know, like I loved that gimmick. And it, it feels like a gimmick when you say it out loud. That gimmick that Anna de Armas vomits when she lies. Like I yep. thought that that was really clever and something really fun to play with. And for me, I felt this movie was just missing a little bit of that fun. Like to me, this felt much more like a whodunit and less like a whodunit comedy. I guess is the oh, thing really? for me. Yeah, I didn't laugh I as found many this times. Much in funnier, right? Well, let's get straight into it then. Obviously, the the big difference is, as I said, complete cast redo apart from Daniel Craig. So let let's talk cast to start with. How did you feel about the players in this film? Obviously, I don't think this is anywhere near as big a cast as the first film. You don't have your Ooh. Jamie Lee Curtis's and your Chris Evans's. I think if you and I, and I haven't counted, but I think if you add up the number of name actors, this has probably got more. It's well, just that a yeah. lot of them have very small cameos. Yeah, and I guess a lot it's of it's like everyone more- wanted to be part of the new Knives Out. And you've got <laughs> Ethan Hawke and Hugh Grant and Natasha Leone. Oh yeah, and yeah. Abdul Jabbar. Actually, and so the, okay, that's true. The cameos in fucking Stephen Sondheim has a cameo. <laughs> that's true. The cameos are off the chain, and I expected none of them. When Hugh Grant pops up for a, a maximum of thirty as, seconds in and, this and, film, am I reading it into this as as Benoit Blanc's living? Yeah, life companion. I know. It was, and it's literally like thirty seconds or something, and it is insane. When he pops up, I was like, "Wow, that is strange," and I love it because I'm I just—I mean, I, I, I really hope in Knives Out three, <laughs> Hugh Grant is back, and they're this middle-aged oh, gay, couple, gay couple. Yes, and he's like helping him with his investigation. That would be perfect. Well, just keeping but- him in tracks. Yeah. Like when you've got him refusing to get out of the bath during lockdown because he's <laughs> yeah. bored. And you've just got Hugh Grant's voice off camera going, <laughs> the box has arrived. Yeah. Your mail. yeah. No, well, that's true. The cameos are insane. But I think the core cast for me, like arguably the biggest name in the film is probably Ed Norton. Oh, and yeah, then sure. Dave Bautista, due to his MCU fame, is pretty big. But yeah. after that, they're all kind of quite small players. Like Kate Hudson obviously was a name, but I can't think oh, of the last thing I saw her in. And to be honest, um, a lot of these, almost all... Well, a lot of the core cast are people that I often find annoying. Well, Kate yeah, Hudson, yeah, I can yes. take or leave. It really depends on the project. Yes. Catherine Hines, the same. If she's in the that's right true. place, I love her, but yep, she yep. can really great. Dave Batista, 
I like him when he's sort of in something that suits him. But, yep. you know, let's face it, he's Dave Bautista. Well, um, yeah, always, yeah. <laughs> and all three of them I thought were perfectly cast and the, it's, it may have been the case, but it's, it's like the characters were written for them. I thought they were they nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. I don't. Let me be clear. I don't think there's a bad performance in this film. I just, for me, it feels like the cast are having less fun with it. And maybe it was me. Maybe it was the day I saw it on. I'm just recovering from COVID. But I, yeah, I just didn't have as much fun with this film as I really wanted to after the first one, which for me was one of the best cinema experiences I can remember in the last five years. I just oh, remember wow. everyone You're in really the cinema. Yeah, I just remember everyone in the cinema just losing their minds at the hilarity of Knives Out. And it was an experience that just was not matched this time. I need to go back and watch it again, though. I haven't watched it um, since it came out. And yeah. I remember loving it. Um, I didn't have a bad thing to say about it. But I don't remember sort of being wowed the way you obviously were. So yeah. I need to revisit it, having seen this, and just compare again with, yeah. it, with it fresh in my mind. Let me ask um, you a question. You kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier with the the gimmick with um, Blunk in the bathtub during lockdown and stuff and struggling mm. with that. Where are you on COVID and lockdown being featured in films? Because we are at that really early point right now where it's funny, even though it was a huge part of our lives, it almost feels kind of gimmicky to allude to it in film. And it yeah, almost th- takes you out of the realism of it, even though it shouldn't. <laughs> it's a really bizarre thing. I think it was, it was, and I, I'm sort of putting myself in Ryan Johnson's shoes, given when they were making this. Obviously, they want to be seen to be responsible outside of the story. Yeah. So I thought they sort of cleverly addressed the time and place when it was made, but yeah. then moved on. With I agree. Whatever yeah. weird magical fucking <laughs> vaccine even or gave them all. Yeah, um, I agree. I actually like that it wasn't it wasn't a character in the film, but no. it was addressed. I actually really liked that. This is the first time I've seen it come up in a film where it didn't give me that weird gimmicky feeling. Um, mm. Yeah, I thought it was executed really well, actually. And and yeah, and the fact that they just moved on and it didn't. I mean, obviously, it would have been a. Very different experience if the entire cast were wearing masks throughout the entire film. Yeah, um, but they were at first, which actually kind of, it did throw me off, I have to say. I was surprised. But uh, yeah, in, just in general terms, it, most of the time it does feel gimmicky. There was one, someone made a, a lockdown movie while everyone was in lockdown called something like Locked Down. Oh, um, yes, yes, I remember. I think it was Anne was Hathaway. Was it Anne Hathaway? And, yep. Yeah, and-, and yep. um, uh, what's his name from Tenet? Yeah, and I remember seeing every, the trailer almost for everyone that a else million times. Over Zoom calls and things. <laughs> yeah, um, that's obviously going to be a films like that are a snapshot in time yeah. <laughs> that you can't avoid because of how they were made. <laughs> yeah. um, but I did like the fact that this sort of addressed it very briefly, and then everything just you know got on with its business. Yeah. What do you think of the evolution of Benoit Blanc as a character? Obviously, he's. In the first one, and I am casting my mind back a couple of years now, as I said, but he spent a lot of the film quietly sitting in the corner, not saying anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and being mysterious. <laughs> yes. Um, and felt very much to me like he was Ryan Johnson's version of Poirot. Yeah. He's mysterious. He's aloof. He's sort of asexual, although less so in this one, as we mentioned. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's got a outrageous accent. Yes, um, yeah. But I didn't, I felt like he didn't have a huge amount of personality in the first one. Most of the personality came from everyone else. Yeah. And he yeah. was just this kind of accented, clever guy in the that's, middle. That's true. I really, I loved the, the kind of twist here being that he's so tired from lockdown of not being able to solve something. That, that scene where he just ruins the murder mystery party. The thing that you think the movie's about. And he, yeah. Yeah, two seconds he goes, <laughs> That was absolutely brilliant. That was fantastic. And you're right, because we've seen him be that kind of aloof, mysterious character. He has no mystery to us anymore. And we- the, thing that, the thing I loved, or, or one of the things about how they sort of expanded on his personality in this one, was... For that first portion, he felt like a buffoon yeah, to, yeah, to an extent. And it didn't feel out of place because you'd had that sort of bathtub set up scene where yeah. 
you you kind of expected him to be, oh, God, I'm getting it. And to be in awe of these celebrity disruptors and yeah and then when it when it did sort of flip i thought that yeah i loved it absolutely loved it yeah when he, i thought that was very very clever and i loved him in this film and i think for me that is the big difference between knives out one and knives out two and it sounds like perhaps we had a different reading of the film but for me in the first film like you said he is kind of much quieter and not really bringing the comedy that's brought by the entire rest of the cast Mm. whereas i think in this film it felt more the other way round, and so i think that's why it felt smaller and less grand and less funny to me is because most of the comedy i felt is coming from blank and not from the rest of the cast the rest of the cast i think yeah i think the rest of the cast were played much more straight i think there were a few really funny moments the running gag with kate hudson's tweets i found really funny every time it was mentioned that she'd said something racially insensitive and she was like i didn't even i didn't know that that word was and they were like (laughs) jewy think sweatshops were where they made some fans (laughs) like that that gag to me was very funny um, but see, like, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character, who, like, I, I love him. Hamilton, I think, is brilliant. And his Aaron Burr was fantastic. And I felt like he didn't really have much to do in this role at all. Like, his character he, he, was He and Catherine nothing. Hahn certainly were- Catherine Hahn, another one. Not given as much time to shine as yeah. Batista. Catherine Hahn is a hilarious actress when she's given the right role. And I yeah, kind of felt like she wasn't- She didn't really have much to do here. And you think back to the first one where- like, The first one, what I loved about it was- Almost that entire movie was made up of those interrogation scenes. And I loved the way that every time he interrogated a different person, you saw the same events portrayed differently. That's just yeah. a kind of it's a, gimmick it's a nice, that, I, that nice I love. You know, like there's a classic X-Files episode called Bad Blood where Mulder and Scully oh, are telling the God. same story. One of <laughs> and, the two episodes oh. of that show that are ingrained in my memory. It's that, uh, absolutely hilarious. That so and that's, Tombs. Oh, yes. To, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, when you when you see- Mulder's version of oh, and the, the way that, that, just that yes, <laughs> yeah, Luke Wilson's character just changes so dramatically from this handsome, suave kind of guy to this complete hick. It's just a device that I really enjoy, and I, for me, this this film I think was lacking a little bit. And I think let's here we are, nineteen minutes into recording. Let's step into spoilers for a second. Yeah. The big twist for this film happens. I mean, how I don't even know how far it is. I think when it's, I think it's actually beyond halfway. It felt the, like the shooting. It. You mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or, where, or yeah, where, the where shooting we and where we effectively go like, back and then yeah. see the entire story again from that one character's perspective. And for the for me, that just didn't work because it felt like we were stopping the action and going back, and it it didn't have that same joyfulness to the filmmaking that the first film had when we were going back and seeing subsequent scenes. It felt more like like the end of a typical Agatha Christie novel where we were re-seeing everything and, you know, learning new information, but without the fun of it. Oh, see, the, the, and I think this is why I, I liked it more than the first one, whereas you're the other way around, is the first one, yes, I liked, and, and it's like Ryan Johnson's gone, okay, well, with the, with the first one, one of the tropes of, of this genre is multiple viewpoints, seeing the same thing, you know, yep. clearness within the light of fire sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And as you progress through all the different versions, you've got to try and pick out which is the truth and which is not. Yeah, yeah. And this Whereas- time around, he's sort of got a different trope, which is seeing all of these events and then seeing them from another viewpoint and going, oh, my God, I didn't realise what that meant. I didn't yes, realise exactly. what that meant. I didn't re- yes. And it's, it's kind of another sort of style of whodunit. Yeah, um, which I I really loved. As soon as we hit that um, yeah, right. point at the shooting, and you flash back and realise that everything you've seen so far, you've seen kind of a skewed version from, of from the wrong perspective. You've seen yeah. the same yeah. thing as all of the other characters. Yeah, and then you realise no, no, no. Much like everyone else, I've been taken in by Blanc's genius. Yeah. Um, but now I'm on the other side of the fence and I'm seeing from his point of view for the second half of the film. Yeah. And I, I thought that was phenomenal. I actually think this is Johnson's best writing since Brothers Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. Everything. Once, once I 
we sort of got to the second half and you start seeing so many of those scenes again. Yeah. And he doesn't change anything in them. He's just using a different camera. Yeah. But you see so much more and see everything so differently. Yeah. Just f- from knowing what you know about Janelle Monáe's character and, yeah, and her yeah. relationship with Blanc, everything changes. And yeah. I just I thought that was genius. Yeah. I, I will say it has me very, very curious to see what happens next because obviously this next Netflix acquisition was part of a, a, a franchise which Netflix have been wanting to launch for years. I've spoken about this with uh, with with Dan from Netflix and Swill that they've been trying forever to launch a franchise and here they've just gone and bought one from someone who yep. had a previous film. They've gone, yep, this is our franchise now. And, and, and uh, knowing that he, Johnson, wanted to do it to be a yeah, sort of kickoff of yeah. something. Um, yeah. So I'm very curious to see what happens next because I guess that's one thing that I did enjoy about the sequel is how different it is to the first one. Like like you say, it's playing with the same genre, but it takes a completely different approach to it and a completely different number of tropes from that genre. So I'm yeah. really curious to see where he goes next and, and yeah, where, where the cast goes. Because for me, that's where the real fun in this film series is. It's like, it's like Clue, but with all of Hollywood at your disposal. <laughs> like Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of cameos, and, and by God, we haven't even touched on them, them all, um, but um, Serena Williams. There's <laughs> <laughs> the sort of live stream trainer just yeah. standing there. <laughs> and presumably, the given when they made this, that was why he was able. I mean, obviously, the first one was a huge hit, and people wanted to be on board. It yeah, hard to assemble a cast, but a lot of people stuck at home, not being able to do anything. I'm yeah. sure yeah. it didn't take much to get yeah Natasha Leone and yeah yeah Kareem Abdul Jabbar and that to go yeah so I'll do five minutes on a Zoom call yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's like it's the same thing with the audition scene in uh in Clerks 3, I'm sure, where he was able to amass this huge number of cameos. Um, did you? I only know this because of IMDb. I didn't, this, the only way you could know. But you know the, the hourly dong, where you've got the, the voice going dong once yes, on the hour? Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt did that. You're <laughs> That's crazy. That that stuff like that makes me laugh so hard. That's like the story about when South Park first started. Oh, and um, they were getting the dog, their door yeah. was being knocked on constantly with people wanting cameos. So they made Jerry Seinfeld play a turkey and Mel Gibson play a dog. <laughs> well, that, the that was only um, what's it? Uh, George Clooney was uh, oh, the gay yeah. dog. Very yeah, odd because he loved, Clooney, yeah. loved it and wanted to support them. And yeah, and the the the, the only celebrity fit like the first like four seasons they let do an actual voice was Natasha Henstridge from Species, <laughs> and they didn't even give her a proper credit. The credit in the title says the hot chick from Species. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. Oh, classic. Oh. So, all in all, it sounds like you very much, very much enjoyed this film. How are you scoring Glass Onion out of 10? I think I'm an eight. Where, yeah. Um, wow. I think, I'm from memory on Letterboxd, I've got this and Knives Out both as fours. Um, yeah. But as I said, I did I did have more fun with this. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely an eight. It, it might even go up to a, an eight and a half or nine on a rewatch. Yep. Wow, um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see... Watching it again, I think it's one of those ones. The first half of the film, you'll you'll get more out of. Yeah. There'll be things that you didn't pick up first time round, obviously, because you don't know. And I think Johnson's uh, enough of a craftsman that that he won't have missed anything. Yeah, when he's and you're mu- you're much more on the Topher side of the fence than I am, where you are a harsher critic and you're a bigger fan of kind of uh, real cinema, I guess. So, I mean, <laughs> an, an eight is a high score. I- I'm a seven on this. I was a nine for Knives Out and a, oh, and wow. a seven a for this. Big disparity. Um, I mean, I probably need to rewatch both. In fairness, because as as I said. Cinema is one of those really objective things, and as with any art, 
it is so subjective that the mood you're in at the time it's, can it really makes affect such a difference. So having just been recovered from COVID and feeling lethargic and stuff, I mean, I'm sure that some of that could have played into the fun that I was feeling in the cinema. So it definitely needs a rewatch. Um, yeah, but I must yeah, admit, stage, I, I, I was in a gold class seat. I had sliders <laughs> yeah. and chips and I had my beer and, um, and it's a long time since I've seen Edward Norton in a film in a cinema and I'm a big yep. Ed Norton fan, even though, you know, we all know he's a bit of a douche in real life, but I think he's an incredible actor. I mean, um, some of the biggest douches And I think he's amazing are, in this. So, yeah. you know, everything was checking boxes for me. I mean, that's true. Like, we haven't even... I was so busy talking about the rest of the cast, I really didn't give um, Norton his dues. But you're right, he is fantastic in this role. He he is, for me, the standout of this film. I, I like him yeah, even more than Daniel Craig in this role. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you make of random stoner guy on the island? I can't even remember what his name was. <laughs> yeah, who just I ex- kept popping up I, and being like, I'm not here. I, that was one I of the running gags. I expecting there to be some reveal that he was the real Miles <laughs> and Ed Norton was a hired actor, even though that would have made zero sense. Yeah. No, but, yeah, yeah. I, that w- <laughs> I, I loved him. I thought he was great. And I loved that you end up with him and Benoit Blanc just sitting back smoking, watching the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. fallout of everything. You're right. That was one of the running gags that I found very funny was that just him keep popping up. I'm not here. Oh, I'm, I'm not here. I'm not here. Don't worry about it. I'm not here. You know, like, and at random times too, like something very dramatic would be happening and then the camera would pull out and he'd be standing there getting a bag of chips or something. <laughs> I'm not here. Very. That was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got to a double feature this week, mate, because we also got to check out The Menu. Uh, which I was really looking forward to. I, I know that you are probably the world's biggest Annie Taylor-Joy fan. I was so like, yeah, you, you, you may not know this about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know this about you. I know that you were a big fan of Annie Taylor-Joy. I, I know that you loved um, Last Night in Soho. Yes, you're wearing a Last Night in Soho <laughs> shirt right now, which I liked but was very disappointed in. Um, I've It's grown on me. I've, I've watched that probably four times now because I got it on 4K and I, I've – Dropping the four K card. Who are you, Paul from the Countdown? (laughs) 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 Well, let's talk the menu because I was really excited for this. Uh, The menu is an American black comedy horror film directed by Mark Mylod, written by Seth Rice and Will Tracy, and produced by Adam McKay, Betsy Kosh, and Will Ferrell. It stars Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor Joy, Nicholas Holt, Hong Chow, Janet McTeer, Reed Burney, Judith Light, and John Leguizamo. And what is it about, mate? It's about some people having dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a, a group of, of people head out to a very, very uber-exclusive three Michelin star-style restaurant on an island yep. where Chef Slovic, Ray Fiennes, is um, the sort of owner-operator and they all think they're there for the meal of their lives, but as the evening progresses, things Take a turn. Yeah. Did you know much about this film before going into it? Because even I the trailer even doesn't give too much. Yeah, I have right. I, I, I've avoided everything about this. I saw an interview with, um, uh, I think it was Nicholas Holt, um, saying, yeah. oh, look, I, I would recommend that you go in completely cold. Uh, so yeah, that's what yeah. I did. And I'm glad I did. Uh, yeah, well, I famously don't watch trailers. But indeed. I, I did happen to see this one at the cinemas one day. Oh, um, did you hate that? I know. And I mean, the good thing is that that's how it got on my radar because I was like, wow, that looks like something I want to watch. Um, But yeah, I wish that I had gone in colder and this is the reason I don't watch trailers. But I I have to say, at least the trailer for this didn't even really give much away at all. You kind kind of of know going in by the genre that it's not just going to be people having dinner. Something's going to happen. And that's virtually all the trailer gave away. Um, The trailer very much heavily played up the the scene where he lets the men try and escape. And so, if anything, yep. I thought this film was maybe going to be more in that direction. I thought we were maybe in for a kind of strange adaptation of The Most Dangerous Game. I was going to say, yeah, it feels like um, that. Yeah, that, that's where my head was kind of going in. And I'm just going to say this up front. I fucking loved this film. Like, spoilers for a future episode. I've already got Sean Carney lined up for our top five films of the year, and I know that this is getting a mention because- It certainly would be in mine at this this, point in time. I loved it. it. 
Yes. Um, well, even get- leaving aside the bias that I went in with, i.e. Yeah. if it's got Anya in it, it's going to be great because she's <laughs> not done it in her entire career. She's not had a dud performance. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, it, this is right up my alley. Slightly oh, yes. twisted, slightly yes. weird, slightly yes. violent, slightly gory. <laughs> yep, yep. Very well filmed. And incredibly so much, so much fun. The writing is just genius. And for yeah. me, this this is an ensemble cast at its best. Like, yeah. yes, Anna Taylor-Joy and Ray Fiennes have more to do, but every single every one of these players- Janet McTeer, oh. Le- Leguizamo doing his- Oh, Steven he's, Seagal. He's, um, yes, he is pitch perfect as Steven Seagal. Bloody Judith Light, who I haven't seen since she was, you know, opposite yeah. Tony Danza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it took me a while to recognise her. That's the thing. It's not- wow. This isn't a huge name cast by any stretch. I mean, they're all kind of big players they're in characters their own that right, you've, but, you know, you've seen here and there. But um, my God, this was just so cleverly put together from start to finish. And it's it's funny, you know. It both is and isn't one of those films where you don't know what's going to happen next because you kind of do, but not not always in the way that things actually play out. Yeah, you kind of. I mean, obviously, you know that things are going to go sideways and there's going to be some darker things happening. Yeah. Um, but the reasons for it, why Slovik's doing what he's doing, yeah, who Anya Taylor Joy's character is. Um, that yep. you certainly don't see up front. Obviously, the 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 very ending, yeah, uh, certainly didn't see coming, and I thought it was amazing. I love. Oh, it. I mean, it's very like Ari Aster would watch this movie and be like, he'd be taking notes. I literally, <laughs> literally, I think I, I deliberately didn't put much of a review on Letterboxd until after we'd recorded. Um, but I think the one thing I did write in there was and an air, and an ending that Ari Aster would be proud of. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. Like it, it was very reminiscent of the ending of Midsommar, which yeah. is another film which I really loved, which kind of played with those boundaries between horror and comedy in a way that's not like you think of a, <clears throat> a horror comedy film and you almost immediately go to something like Shaun of the Dead, which is very much, I think, more in the comedy realm. Absolutely. Whereas it's a, it's this, a com- it, I, I think of it almost as a comedy. There's, I, I there's no point well. in that that I find scary. Or I, anything. I do it's, as well. Yeah. It's a comedy in the horror genre. Yes, yeah. Um, Whereas as opposed to film, something like Cabin in the Woods, which does have yeah. similar to this, but less so. Yeah, funny bits interspersed uh, yes. with horror bits. This and the is, horror bits are just horror bits, and the comedy yeah, bits are just comedy exactly. Bits. This is the best example I can point to of a true horror comedy where the comedy is hilarious and the horror is gory and tense. Yeah. And at no point does this movie feel silly. Like, never no. does it feel silly. This this plays like a straight drama. And yet you are laughing probably more than you have in most straight comedies. Well, because it's almost year, a comedy of- a, a lot of it I've found- it's, it's like a comedy of manners. Yes, yes, um, and like the characters. The characters the, are interesting. The interactions funny. between Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor Joy's character, where he's just yeah. being such a pompous oh, twat about the, the way food. he keeps pulling out his phone. Oh, his and, photos. The, oh. And, and that's all hilarious. Yeah. But then when you do get the horrific bits, there's nothing funny about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe if you're me or. Paul Brazzola or someone you're laughing because you just find that shit funny. But normal humans would be watching the horrific bits and go, yeah, yeah, because it is it's 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 all really dark shit and it's violent and the very first death in this film, which you actually do not see coming, I don't think, which is the sous chef who has come up. He's invented a meal called the mess. you see that coming. You d- and when it happens, That's like it a feels- cold water. It feels so brutal. Even though, like, arguably, there have been much more graphic deaths in film over the year. Like, there's nothing particularly gory about that. Like, it's it's a bullet it's through so the back of the head. Which, though. But it is so yeah. And then you are immediately hit by the comedy when it- I, I love the cuts to- the text of the menu when it comes yep. up with, oh, you know, what so- the, like well, the, the best one in the whole thing is, is when Nicholas Holt's character is, is forced to cook, which is just an absolutely <laughs> hilarious scene. Like what I love about the comedy in this film 
is that it's almost Seinfeld-esque. Like, this is a really observational comedy thing. Like, this is... It's like somebody sat at a fancy restaurant and looked around and observed the people who were oh, sitting there so, and just made they're, notes. They're, the, the satire of this is just biting. Oh, it's Especially it's Janet McKee and um, what's his name? Paul Edelstein's characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, are just perfect. Yeah, yeah. Like she is 80% of the food critics that you read in the paper or see on oh, TV or anything. Yes, yeah. And he is perfect as <laughs> the sycophantic one that props her up and makes her, <laughs> yeah. continues to yeah. pump up her ego. Yeah, um, it's just amazing. Genius. Yeah, it's so funny. But yeah, where Nicholas Holt, who is the kind of foodie archetype, who's you know always Instagramming food, oh, when he's forced to cook for this chef, and then it comes up with the menu, which is Tyler's bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know that you know that this is bad. You know that this is not good for this character, and that he is doing something horrific while this title card is coming up on screen, and yet you cannot help. But laugh out loud because it is oh, so funny. Not not only has he been such a pompous wanker through that the entire thing, but he's increasingly awful to his date. Marco. Oh yes, yeah. Um, and the reveal around that I thought was genius as well. When yeah, yeah. Um, and apparently, um, where she slaps him, um, yep. that was unscripted. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Annie Taylor Joy went to um Mark Mylott and said. I really feel like my character would hit him here. <laughs> you know, it, it, as a woman, yep. I'm telling you that a woman in this situation <laughs> would fucking hit him. Yeah. And he apparently said, well, you're the, you're, I'm not a woman. I'm, I'm, you know, you would know better than me. And so she yep. did. And apparently Holt was quite taken aback. Oh, that's great. Rolled that's so good. <laughs> oh, that's genius. <laughs> Let me ask you this then. Um, because obviously the ultimate fate for these characters, all of them, both, you know, the um, the diners and the servers is a horrific outcome. <laughs> yes. Did you did you feel bad for the for these characters at any point? Like obviously Arnie Taylor Joy from the beginning is supposed to be your kind of sympathetic window to this kind of Nightmare yeah. of a night. And, and, and we'll get to her fate because I think that there's a, a bit to touch on there. Yeah. I yeah. think the only one that I felt sorry for was, um, I can't remember her name now. Leguizamo's kind of the- uh, Yeah, he's who was trying to yes. quit, Who seemingly, everyone else is kind of, I mean, you hard to say they deserve their fate, but- Yeah, you but they're not great people. You her understand. greatest crime seems to be- not having quit earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing because it's really funny. Fiends's character seems very set on, you know, like these people deserve He's punishment. He's meeting out punishment for and all the slights that have made exactly. his and he's career very, and Exactly. And he's very upset that Anya Taylor-Joy is even there from the beginning because she took somebody else's place and she shouldn't yeah, she, be there. An outsider, she doesn't. Belong. I was a little bit the same as you. I was like, well, I mean, Jesus. Like, I mean, the the when the reveal for Leguizamo's punishment is is kind of given that it was just because he was in this bad movie that wasted Fiends' time. <laughs> that in itself was just fucking hysterical. But then that makes you feel extra bad for his poor assistant. And they try and give you a bit of kind of Later on, when she's like, "I've been stealing money from you," and and I think you're meant to. So what? He's a douchebag. Good, I, I know money. exactly. <laughs> I mean, Jesus! I worked at a video shop for years. I would. Um, I mean, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I felt. I felt a little yeah, bit bad. Everyone for else, character. all of the, the the hedge funny guys that worked for the billionaire. Oh, they good. Were Get rid of them. Yeah. Janet McTierin. <laughs> yes, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the Judith Lightner husband? I can't remember what. Oh, they, they were, were the, the ones regular that came customers. every week for years and years, but couldn't remember yeah. a single dish. Couldn't even it, remember just, a dish. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. Um, so Margot kind of gets, earns her freedom, I guess. Yeah. By standing up to. Chef and saying you no longer cook for the joy of it. You're you're as pretentious yes. as everyone else. Yep. Make me a hamburger, and he yep. does, and she likes it, and says that's the first thing you paid with love or whatever, and kind of earns her reprieve yep. and gets to leave. Or does she? 
What did you ah, think of? Thank you. So you might have had the same thought I did. So firstly, let me say that the cheeseburger cooking scene is one of the most orgasmic scenes <laughs> I've ever seen put in cinema. And we were intending, my wife and I saw this at like an 11 a.m. session or something. And we were intending to just come home and have, you know, like cheap, healthy lunch at home. And as soon as that <laughs> scene started, yep. I knew what was going to happen. I looked at this and she looked at me and said, I need a cheeseburger. <laughs> so, so that was just incredible. But, okay, so you might have... Because I said to Nuska afterwards, what did you make of the ending? Did you... Because there is a scene where she takes a big bite of the hamburger yep. right at the end. She's watching the whole thing go up in flames. There's and a I think moment. She, I think she looks a little dizzy for a minute. And I'm like... It's, there's a deliberate... What, yes. I, I, what I thought was a deliberate pause. And I, I, I assume I this is meant thing. to be left up to us as to, is yep. it poison? Does she get away? Yeah. Um... Yeah, what's the what's going on? Um, I've since read that, that Mark that Milo has said, "Oh no, no, she gets away." Yeah, right. It's, well, that was Noosk's immediate read. Noosk was like, um, "No, not not at all." And I was like, "I'm sure she looked dizzy for a minute there." And I think it's, that it, we're it's question. Yeah, yeah. I I think he's put that in deliberately to make you sort of go, "Oh," but yeah. the intention is, yes, apparently she did get away. But I'm, I'm glad I wasn't the only one that sort of picked <laughs> yeah, up on that because it, it, me too. I'm immediately really it, it 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 sort of it lingers just. A second too long, almost. See, and I wonder if it's the bite. I wonder if it's that people like you and I are much more accustomed to this style of film, so so we notice those yep. little things because you know we're more used to kind of these psychological horror type films, and it, that it's we look very at hard moments. to try and view things through uh, uh, through. A less jaded eye. Well, we're very cynical. So men, I, I don't know so if you. <laughs> I mean, you would have seen James Wan's *Malignant*. I haven't yet. No, oh, okay. I haven't got it's to it. Yet. See. It's 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 well, it's I'm, fun. Yeah. Um, I came out of that, and I won't spoil anything. But I came out of it thinking, you know, that wasn't much. Nothing yeah. surprised me. I knew exactly what was going to happen from the moment it started to the moment it finished. There were no surprises. And then I'm reading all these reviews going, oh, my God, my head, you know, <laughs> boom, mind blown. And I'm yeah. saying, like, I've got to remember, I'm not like the average person. I've seen yeah. that many horror movies and psychological <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's only There's only a finite number of plot beats that in the world that you can have, and I've yeah. seen most of them in something. So my mind is racing as I'm watching these things going, oh, well, that's possibly what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, the case to a point with something like this as well. Yeah. yeah. We're maybe reading something into it that isn't I, there just because I think we've so seen too. so many things where <laughs> yeah. something would have been there. Yeah. And I'm glad, actually, that he's come out and said, no, she gets away, because I do think that that is a, a better ending to the film. Oh, yeah. Um, because I think it, that makes sense with the whole it, it, it theme. It kind of undermines his whole entire sort of admittedly twisted, but- his his sort of moral stance on all these things. He he has a reason for everything he's doing, even yeah. if he is a bit psychotic and sociopathic. There is a reason he's punishing these people for what he sees as as moral shortcomings. Yeah, and she doesn't have them. He respects the fact that, regardless of the fact that she actually from service food. industry, she's in yeah. a service industry, and yeah. he respects her. And I love those that that conversation they had where he says, "Do you like what you do?" Yeah. And she says, I used to. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that's where it, the, the rapport between them started because he's very much the same. Yeah. His love of the of his cooking is I, I gone. Think, I, think that's, I think even more than that, what makes that ending work for me is that unlike the rest of them, she genuinely actually just enjoys eating. Even something as simple as a cheeseburger, that's- it's satisfying to her. She loves it. Mm. And I think for me, that's where thematically this film- really sings is that it's almost like an allegory for working in any field of art where you know what's happened to him is and he says he's, he's doing he's, art for art's sake he's not creating well because yes of love. but but he's reached a point where he's become such an esteemed artist of food that he has outpriced himself and now yeah. he can only provide art for these super rich people who don't even appreciate it they're, as they're much as someone who just wants a cheeseburger of- yeah yeah exactly. and i think it's such a great allegory you know like you could watch this just thinking about any kind of art industry like as if the kitchen is a group of visual effects artists working on a big budget feature that everyone's just gonna shit on anyway (laughs) it's like it's just that to me is where the genius of this film really is is in Mm. that reading i i loved this movie so much when he comes out with the bread course that has no bread oh my 
God, that made me laugh. Out. Oh, that's the, I was laughing out loud at least once every couple of minutes in this film, which mm. doesn't happen to me in most straight comedies. <laughs> like, no, I, I think it's it's easy to sort of focus on um, Fines and um, Taylor Joyers because they are kind of the leads. Yeah. Nicholas Holt is fucking oh. fantastic in this. Yes, he's so funny. Yeah, and always quiet. It's yeah. really restrained. Yeah, it's a lot of his funniest stuff is just in facial expressions when he thinks Definitely. that you know, chef might not like <laughs> him. Did he see mad at me? Photo? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just hilarious stuff. And the funniest scenes too are when horrific things are happening, like when uh, when the guy gets his finger cut off. And mm. everyone around the restaurant is like, holy shit, what just happened? Because that's kind of the first over-the-top moment where they're yeah. like, okay, something here is really wrong. And Margot is looking at him and he's just digging into his food. He <laughs> is so unfazed by it. And that revealed later on that he is the one person who knew what yeah. was going to happen tonight. He signed up for it willingly yeah. and brought a date without yeah. telling her. It just makes complete sense that he is just that kind of person who just just wanted the experience of it. Like So, so intensely fanboying over this chef. Yeah, and yeah is prepared to pay the ultimate price yeah. just to be in the same room as him for one night. Yeah. So how, how are you scoring the menu out of 10? I was around an eight and a half. I think I'm actually going to go to a nine though. Yes. Um, yep. <laughs> I do want to get to this again in the cinemas because I think it's, it is beautifully shot. Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, yeah. The, the setup of the island, the, the shots of the food, the, uh, of the cooking, everything is—it's—it's it's just beautiful to look at. And as we said, I think it's one of the best scripts I've seen in ages. It, I'm yeah. not at all surprised that these guys are ex The Onion and Seth yeah. Meyers and uh, all that sort of stuff because it's so sharp. Yeah, I, I'm a nine out of ten, but very similar to you. I could see bumping this up to a ten on future viewings. The only reason I currently have it is a nine is because I I just can't quite put it at the same level as everything everywhere all at once. Oh, so which, I think this, this is a much ooh. better film than that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, for me, that's still easily the film of the year, and, and I can't see anything topping it before the end of the year for me. Oh, but- if, if the editors on this film had been on that and shaved <laughs> off about half an hour, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I've, I've heard that criticism, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of understand that, but oh, no, nah, I can't. For me, that is a perfect film, um, but I, I loved this one, and I could easily see myself bumping it up on a few. I'm, I'm really keen to see um, what these guys do next because I'm assuming that Mark Mylod and um, the writers uh, Seth Rice and Will Tracy met because they all came off Succession most recently, I think, which yeah. you've watched, I haven't. I, um, I love Succession, and it's very funny, actually. Um, one of the douchebag businessmen in this plays a douchebag businessman in Succession, so <laughs> I couldn't help but feel that this was, like, in the same universe, which just made me <laughs> chuckle even more. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that they're, they're mates and, and they sort of percolated yeah. this together. Yeah. Um, so... I'm hoping they're going to do more stuff together. Oh, it makes um, sense. And I can't wait you to would see hope. more because you really should watch Succession if you enjoyed this. I because that I'll, I'll get to it. It's a it's, very similar it's vein. List. It's a very similar vein to this where the drama and the comedy is just balanced better than anything I've ever seen before. And I'm a big fan of a dramedy. Like dramedy is probably my core genre that I just love mm. and Succession does it better than anything I've ever seen where the dramatic moments hit you and the comedic moments make you laugh your ass off and they can happen in the same scene it's genius well, I've, I've, got, I've got a lot of time for, for this Mark Mylod guy who I'd never I mean he's I think it's his first feature he's, he's come out of TV yeah um, but I I had a quick scan through to sort of see what else he's done because I thought this film was so well put together and it makes sense that this is so good as a horror comedy because he's done some of the funniest TV I've ever seen. In yeah. um, I don't know if you ever watched the Fast Show, no British sketch show, um, just pre Little Britain I think, but in a similar vein. And it is 
one of the funniest sketch shows I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then obviously he's done Succession and Game of Thrones and stuff, so he can do yeah. drama, he can do action, he can do violence yeah. um, with sort of equal aplomb. So I think if he stays in features, there's potentially oh. some really good stuff to come from this guy. Yeah, this I, I cannot recommend this enough to people. This is definitely going to crack my top five of the year. I can't see anything else coming out in the next several weeks that will drop this. Although, did you get a trailer for Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre? Oh my god, are they showing trailers for that again? That was supposed to come out in April. Ah. Is that um uh Jason Statham, yes? Yeah, it's the new guy, Richie. It's yeah, Jason yeah. Statham. Or Aubrey Plaza. I wonder when um, that's come because that was supposed to come out in April and then it just disappeared. No mention of it being postponed. No anything. Trailers just disappeared. It looked. I mean, no, I haven't really liked a guy Richie in a long time. But when um, he's on, he's, and he's on. done some absolute <laughs> shite. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but this looks like. Yeah. Although I, I tell her right, um, what was it called? The Gentleman. Uh, I did really like. Okay, I um, see the, but I'm a big Aubrey Plaza fan. Anything she's in, uh, I'm and, uh, excited for. Her wielding a gun, that yeah. alone I'm in. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. her, Statham, Carrie Elways, so you're there twice uh, now. Well, yes, yes um, that's right. You know about my love for Elways. Yeah. Hugh Grant, Josh Hartnett, E. Yeah. Marzan. It, it looks so yep. funny and the action looks great. I'm- yeah. 100% sold on this, and I think it's going to be the best thing he's done in years. Well, when that comes out, we'll definitely do an episode on it, because oh, I, yeah, did, I did have it on the schedule in April, and then, like, it just- See if we can get Wayne on, and he can have a big wank over how good guy he is. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's try and do that. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. I'm all here for Wayne coming on. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been awesome to chat about these two films. Um, as I said, I was going to go fortnightly. I don't know. This has been fun. Maybe we'll be back next week. We'll do it every day. We'll do a daily show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but we've got some fun things in the work. You came up with the idea of doing our, our top Christmas movies, which I think um, is going to be yeah, really, really fun. Um, I've spoken to Topher about hopefully coming on for Violent Night with David Harbour, so we'll see if that happens. But yeah, let's, let's see where this crazy ride takes us, mate. <laughs> 100%. I'm glad to have you here. This is good. <laughs> and thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. This has been tremendous. I love each and every one of you. You're all beautiful, beautiful people. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, which you should cancel your Patreon for now, David. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll catch you next week. <laughs> Go fucking watch the menu. Oh, 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 oh